This is an RNZ podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Well, now to the issue of how to deal with adult children, particularly the ones who may still be living under your roof. It's a trend on the rise around the world. In the UK, research into the boomerang phenomenon found two-thirds of childless single adults aged 20 to 34 had either never left or moved back into the family home due to a precarious job market and sky-high rents. A Victoria University study last year into what happened during the main lockdown in New Zealand found 38% of 18 to 24-year-olds moved back in, with one or more of their parents. So what happens when your kids have flown the nest only to return, or if they end up staying on while they undertake tertiary study or training? What are the house rules? What is parenting in this circumstance? Jenny Hale is a senior family coach at Parenting Place and is with us. Good morning, Jenny. Morena, Catherine. Great to be here. You're welcome. I think you're normally an expert on the younger uh, end of the... (laughs) of the family spectrum, but this is a really emerging Mm. trend, isn't it? It is, and it does pose a few um, problems for families. Uh, Sometimes they, some families do really well, and I think others struggle because they weren't prepared, or maybe it was um, hard before when their kids were younger, and it continues to be hard, and there'll be some reasons for that. But it certainly is the landscape that we're looking at now is for adult children to be at home longer than um, perhaps other generations. Well, there's two perhaps standout reasons. One is the whole business of trying to save to buy Mm. a house or even just to have a a place you can live that's livable and affordable. Mm. And the other is the impact of COVID itself. That's an extraordinary number, the number of young adults who moved back to their families during lockdown. Some of it may have been choice for, you know, just to be supported during that time. We know a lot of uni, well, all the uni students just about had to go home. But still, it's... um, it's a new experience uh, when you thought, you know, you thought things had moved on. It's also becoming a trend with its own name, kippers. Kids and parents' pockets eroding <laughs> retirement savings. Now, is that a healthy way to look at things? Slightly cynically. Uh, it's not probably the best. I think if we, we look at it playfully, it, we can joke about it because there's an element of truth in it. But if we want something to work, I think we've, we've got to give it a uh, a respectful name and we've actually got to make sure that there are elements um, about living at home that work for both parties rather than it being a big drain and an emptying of the pockets of the, um, the parents who own the home. So, yeah, kind of cute name, but I think that underneath um, we want it to be better than... Um, just having money draining out and kids uh, using the home and parents feeling resentful about having their kids at home. One of the ways to, I guess, approach any question in parenting is to put yourself in the shoes of each of the parties. Mm. And when you know, you know, when you know what you're dealing with, you can strategize as to how to deal with it. Exactly. So let's talk about what's happening, perhaps, in the case of the parents who are thinking, look, worked hard, got this far, looking forward to a different phase of life, but also, gee, I really think it's time this person or this person got out and stood on their own two feet. That can be that can be a feeling that is simmering somewhere, mm. even if your understanding of the situation and things are, are going okay. What are the other ranges or range of, of feelings or emotions that parents might be having? 
I think sometimes parents feel uh, really drawn to help at a time like this, that they realise that um, yeah, the, the lampposts have shifted and it is no longer a given that your kids will be able to buy their own home or li- live independently or be able to afford to attend uni and be in a reasonable um, renting situation. So there is a, a generosity, I think, in parents to think, what can I do? How can I help? This uh, things that the lands, landscape is different. Things have changed, but I also think that one similar to the one you mentioned is that where parents feel like, darn, you know, we really had um, counted on a bit more freedom, and this was the the golden years for us, and we we're not sure how we how we handle this. We know our kids need our help, but we don't know if we really um, are up for that and we don't know how long it's going to be for. And some parents are really a bit exhausted. I think they've been, if, if you've had teenagers who were tricky, you're thinking, um, I just need a break from my kids for a while. So, yeah, and you might be feeling also that sense of kids need to learn how to... Um, be independent. For instance, it's one of the questions I ask parents when they come and see me for a family coaching session. I ask them, what's the dream you have for your kids? How do you want them to grow and develop? If they were 18, I name an an age and then we laugh because it's not likely to be 18 now. What would you like to see within your kids? And independence comes out all the time. There is a big, big push and drive and sense that parents want to feel that their kids can stand on their own two feet. So that'll be a big motivation for parents. Do we really want to be caught in this and not be creating or or, um, maybe we're enabling this dependence for longer than it's really good for our kids? There is that, but what's complicating things now is you can't just say, go and get a flat, for goodness sake, and and get on with it, because they may turn around and say, yeah, but A, I can't find one, or B, it's going to cost this. But do you still at some point have to draw the line and say, yes, it's not fair, and yes, it's expensive, however? Um, You know, there's the sense that there's the kid who doesn't want to leave, perhaps, because they know they're onto a really good thing, And that's where a parent might be saying, actually, it's not good for them to still be here when they are 25, 35, I'm well aware of one of those, <laughs> and, and onwards. How are you going to have that conversation and, and how are you um, going to sow that seed when you are in a circumstance where everything feels so loaded against them? Yeah, and this is where parenting often feels really hard because you'll be... I think you've just got to welcome the tension. There'll be a tension between, um, boy, we could really help out here and um, we've got the resources. And then the dream and the goal that you have that your kids will stand on their own two feet and will learn to develop some mastery over things they haven't yet learnt. I've got to say, Catherine, I think that every family is different and sometimes your kids have have really... um, made great strides towards independence and they've got a part-time job and they know how to save and they know how to put the washing machine on and contribute. But there'll be some families who feel like, look, for some one reason or another, we've enabled our kids to just take a ride 
and we actually need to put in a boundary now and we need to help them move on. And so I think a robust um, tender conversation that doesn't uh, start with, we've had enough. (laughs) (laughs) More, um, we care deeply about you and feel like this um, this is the opportunity that you need to further develop some skills um, that will set you up for life. You know, I really think we can paint a dream for for kids and we can communicate that well. Or if we wait too long, we'll sort of blow our tops and say, that's it, out. And I don't think it has to come to that. I think it's good if we um, actually frame it differently and get him before it turns to custard. It's very wise and you know, it also, you could start just the messaging that gets them ready for the fact that your expectation is they're going to move on and you can help them be looking, you can be help them saying, hey, look, and you know, so-and-so's moving into a flat, might be looking for a flat, mate, you know, just mm. get involved in conversations that, that don't directly say move out, but, <laughs> but, mm. are, but are working towards a presumption that that's where things are heading. It normalises mm. an expectation. Yeah. Um, that could go on for quite a while, of course, but is it a good way to begin to build the expectation rather than, as you say, waiting till you snap? Yeah, I think it's great to sow the seeds. And um, we we kind of need to be doing this throughout our parenting. So we're looking at the next stage, whether it's going from kindy to school or school to intermediate, intermediate to college. You're kind of framing things so they, they know change is coming. And I think sometimes we forget to have those conversations with our kids. So it just say, um, yeah, this is what we're looking forward to. And um, and that's when parents start to probably move, remove some of the trainer wheels or the supports that have always been there, but not as a, a shock. I, I think one of the... One great things about parenting is that we get these um, windows um, all the time to be sowing the seeds of this is what's coming, this is what's next, this is what we're looking forward to, this is what you'll need. Um, probably it's easy to step too far and start looking for the flat and looking for the job and sort of still governing things. Um, and I think we've got to let our kids Um, make some of these decisions which are scary but where you realise I'm no longer in that position where I will hold everything together. I've got to let the rope out. When our daughter said after she'd finished school that she wanted to go overseas for a year and do a sort of a youth programme where she'd she'd live in another country, learn a language, uh, it was... um, a bit of a, a surprise, but I thought actually we've been preparing her for this, that there is a time when there's no more school to attend. There's a break between now and uni. And, um, yeah, I had to sort of sit on my hands a bit because um, I was actually a, a bit surprised that she'd taken a bigger leap than I had hoped for, but it actually turned out really well. So, yeah, by all means, I think let them in on your... <laughs> your hopes and dreams. It's actually a really interesting point that the um, inverse can happen and that uh, that you're in that tricky transition where you are the parent, yes, but your child is becoming, or is, recognised uh, as, as an adult. Yeah. Let's say that adult kids are still at home for one reason or another, or perhaps they've left and come back. What is it that causes friction and what's some of the sensible things you can put in place to reduce the risk of friction on both sides? Mm. 
I think anything that um, is assumed will happen, um, taken for granted, or um, kind of not really shared openly. So I, we, we call these pretend agreements where um, no one's really front front footed it in a way. So it might be who's going to, um, well, let's start with um, paying something towards um, rent if you're living at home. And I'd qualify that with, I think if your kids are earning something, um, there should be some amount paid towards living in a home. And that may sound tough, but there is a sense that you're you're preparing your kids for the real world. And if they're earning, they should be contributing. And some families have a really small amount and some have a bigger amount. But when our son was still at home until he was 24, he was studying medicine, so while he was studying, he didn't pay, but once he started earning, he did. And I think that's one that um, can help because rent's important, so is, you know, food, contributing towards food, and then probably chores, you know, just keeping the place reasonably tidy. Um I think it's really important that those things are discussed. And for some families, there won't be a big transition because there's sort of been a level of respect anyway, so nothing big should change. But if you don't mention that you're expecting to be, you know, receiving money or um, food um, or them helping out, and if you're not specific enough about it, it it will run its own course and you can find parents thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, we are really tired of the mess and the the fact that friends are coming around and no one is, you know, contributing. And we've just been taken for a ride. And that's that's an unfortunate place to get. So I often think that I'll, I'll encourage parents throughout their parenting journey to have what I call a reset kind of a reset conversation where this is where we find ourselves this is the part that isn't working how can we um, modify what do we need to do so this is working for all of us okay we've got some questions coming in but I want to use some of the questions that actually prompted us to focus on this in the first place and um, some of them were financial how much should you pay should you help out your adult at home financially, do you pay their university fees or does that take away the responsibility they take for their study? How long do you pay for their medical fees? Do you pay when you all go out for dinner? Now, they're all financial questions, Mm. but they're good ones. And is this a sort of phased approach where you begin to do deals over how much of the financial contributions coming for you and how much they're contributing themselves? How do you work out how to gradually transfer more financial responsibility to your adult at home. Great one. I think that you do phase it because you actually don't know how long you're going to be in this position for. So it's a a little bit like having a um, memorandum of understanding. I think you start by saying, like we might have said something like, well, I know families who are saying, we're happy to pay for half your um, uni fees, and then when you've got a job, this is what will, this is how it will change. But I think it has to be open to changing as circumstances change. And the other thing I think parents have to look at is, am I empowering my child, my young adult, or am I actually disempowering them by always fronting up with the money? And what we're, one of the tasks of parenting is to 
kind of grow kids who can stand on their own two feet, who feel confident and are resilient and are able to problem solve and think for themselves. So if what you're doing is snuffing that out, I think it's time to yeah. have a reset. It, it needs to be realistic because of the financial burdens on them, but the, the, the trajectory is they are contributing a fair amount to each of these things with a with a you know view to gradually taking on more and more that hmm. would make sense wouldn't it right yeah um look this is another interesting one do you look after their kids so they can go back to work <laughs> yeah that's a yes and a no and i think parents have to look at their own lives a lot of um parents are still working um in, in our situation i've got three grandchildren and I have helped um, take care of each of them for a period of time without losing my job but just going down some hours. But I had to, I really thought that through and what was good about it was it wasn't a, an assumption that I would do it, it was a request, um, which is a respectful way to ask. I think when you just fall into a um, an assumption, that's where resentment grows. And it was always on the table as something we would consider again if it wasn't working. Um, so it's not a blanket, yes, um, I will look after your children for the whole week. I mean, some families may be able to afford that and they want to do that and I think that's great. But some families uh, don't want to do that. They don't want to look after the kids. I know of a family who... The parents, and these were parents in their 60s, were asked whether they would look after the child if the if the couple had another baby. And it felt like that's a really big call to ask parents to step in. And they were deciding whether to have another child depending on what the answer was. And um, It's I, an I awful think lot of responsibility. It's a heck of a lot of responsibility. You've got your own life. I mean, I, I think it's... it's the answer's kind of like, yes, you might, if you want to, as much as you want to. Mm. And as you say, the big thing is not being taken for granted, um, which is something that needs to be continually under review. It mm. needs to work for both parties, right? It may be a wonderful yep. way for uh, a grandparent to um, have a relationship with their grandchildren. It may also become mm. something that chews up all their time and they feel um, taken for granted. So you've got to really, you've got to think about yourself as well mm. as what you can contribute. Um, yep. Great. Qu- I mean, there's a lot of guilt underpinning some of these questions. Is it oh, okay to sell the family home is. and move overseas? Well, <laughs> frankly, yes, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I, I think, think that's a little a bit drastic. It might though, be a wrench. To have to go that far to actually um, sell your home so that... Um, wouldn't it be better to be able to communicate? No, 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 not, not linked. Separate question. Oh, the right. parents are saying, can we go and live overseas? We want to. Um, Of course you can, and it it may well be a wrench, but you don't... I mean, it's it's the sense that you're you're permanently parenting, really, isn't it? In some ways you are, but um, does that mean you can't go and do something you want to do with your own life? I mean, how do you answer that, Jenny? Mm. Yeah, well, I do think guilt's a big player in that, and sometimes we are so um, conditioned to do things because we we hate the feeling of letting someone down or, gosh, they need me or whatever, but we actually do have to stop and think, why am I making this decision? Is it because I'm too scared to say, actually, we'd really love six months in France? Um, one day Um, and I think we should be able to make calls that are independent from 
um, some of the ties that we might feel and certainly we shouldn't do them on on a guilt factor and I, I was trying to sort of also say Catherine that um, yeah don't don't wait for it to be unbearable so yeah, that exactly. you have to shift overseas. And look, family is family. And, and, and you know, if everyone's doing great, but if someone's having a particular crisis, um, the, the normal parental response, the normal family response would mm. be that you change your life to assist them, right? But Absolutely. I think this, this is in the context of if everyone's going okay, do I need to be here because I'm the, the parent and the grandparent? Um, another really good one is about the changing relationship in this can begin at 18 or 19, or if your kid's still at home then, of shifting from being parent to maybe a little bit more friend. This is what the question is like. Mm. Do you ever really become the friend when you're the parent? Can <laughs> you be a friendly parent? Like, and, and another thing is, yeah, how much of your worries and concerns do you share? That's something you may share much more with an adult child than with a younger child. But there's a large dose of it depends, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And you're always the parent, aren't you? Yeah, I think you are always the parent. But I actually find it very easy to be friends as well. And that might be that you've established boundaries early on and there's a respectful kind of relationship going on. So, yeah, it does depend. But there is no reason why your kids can't be, uh, you can't be really close. And and they can be um, someone that you would talk to about stuff. Um, I th- I think that I this is sort of personal experience. I think that um, I've almost dropped that um, I'm your parent um, kind of a role to um, more of an equal um, now where our kids are you know late thirties forties. So I just feel that they are yeah in a situation where I I would talk to them about stuff. There there is always stuff I wouldn't talk to them about. As well, yeah. I don't think they've got an open, um, they should have an open kind of window into everything that goes on. But there is a, a connection and a closeness that yeah. I think is really beautiful to have with your kids. I think the remaining apparent thing is when crisis hits and it will in their lives, that's when you'll feel that instinct, you know, um, mm. that instinct kick in again. That, get, that, you know, it might be a divorce or it might be illness or it might be this or that, but exactly. that's when that instinct comes back again. But again, it's yeah. situational. A couple of great comments to finish here. Uh, this emailer says, I'm an adult child living with my father. I moved in after returning from overseas to go to uni. I feel the stigma of saying I live at home, but I am now much closer to my dad and his mm. his house actually gets cleaned. Dad seems to think <laughs> cleanliness is a disorder. We grumble from time to time, like when he flooded the kitchen floor last week, but it works well for both of us. And the best one, I think, comes from Tony. My wife and I have decided we don't want children. We're telling them tonight, after dinner. Thank you, Jenny Hyde <laughs> of The Parenting Place.